Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. Everybody just say this is a seasonal word and I'm here for it. (laughs) I'm here for it. Let's read verse 22 together if you'll throw it up on the screen. And if whoever is watching the screen or handling the screen today, I'm going to call out some scriptures if you'll just hang with me because I want them to see something here in just a moment. Verse 22 says immediately. Everybody say that word. Who likes the immediately's of Jesus? Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to Kathy you've already said at the other side of the purse but this day we're going on the other side of the sea on the other side while he sent the multitudes away you can be seated for just a moment and hang that scripture right there for me I love that thank you Zach so much aren't you blessed by our worship and the music today amen they tore it up this weekend we were so blessed to be with them. That word right there in verse 22, I love it because we as Christians always say, listen, God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you do anything. Now he is a gentleman and he will not force you if you don't want to. But here's what I will say. I can make my natural children do things that I can't make yours do. So these are the disciples that are not just with him in the miracles. They are in spiritual boot camp. These are the ones whom Jesus is going to leave his authority with. And then they in turn are going to go and turn the world upside down. So I'm talking to some people in the room who are not just Christians and just, you know, oh yeah, well, I'm a Christian, but are you a disciple? because when you are his disciple you will allow him to discipline you in ways that those who want to just follow and sit on the sidelines and watch the miracle happen he's giving us an invitation to not be watchers but be doers with him he's saying get in this boat now I have to believe that if that word made was in that verse, it was for a purpose. These were, these were fishermen. I wonder if the sky had a certain look to it that day. And as they stepped into the boat, if there was a but Jesus moment of do you not see these clouds beginning to rise? There was a, a reason that he said get into the boat, but there was a promise that I'm going to meet you on the other side. I need some to hear this word this morning that if Jesus has told you to get in it and he told you I'll see you on the other side of this it doesn't matter what raises in between you hold on to the word that Jesus has spoken this hour so it says that Jesus went up to the mountain to pray is there anybody in the room who Jesus has told you a word and then he disappeared You know, I don't know how many times I have had those, where are you, Lord? Why hasn't he answered me? Because he's praying for you. Why ain't they talking to me? They might be praying for you. 
Where is Jesus? Where is he? And then the next verse goes on to say that the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Everybody, we're going to park right there for just a moment. Now go ahead. No, 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 no. Move on, move on, move on. 22, 23, 24. Go to verse 24 for me. But the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. Listen, for the wind was contrary. The wind was opposite. It was now fighting against them. Have you ever been in a moment that what was working for you is now fighting against you? I want to talk about the middle for just a moment. Ecclesiastes says that the beginning of a thing is good, but the end is the better. You want to know why? Because it's in the middle that you make the choice of whether to go forward or to go back. You need to go ahead and look at your neighbor and say, it's never about the middle. And yet we as people of God always make it about the middle. We are always saying what I'm going through right now. And we forget what he told us. And in the middle where the contrary, the opposite, the frustration, the pressing against is nearly about to take me out. And we begin wondering, did we do something wrong? Should have we not gotten in this boat? Here's what the devil does. You married the wrong one. Hey. You took the wrong job. You shouldn't have gave that seed. The devil will never speak to you at the beginning. He's hoping you launch out in ministry. He's hoping you take this step because it's when you take the step, he won't even, the first 20 steps all as well. It's when you get to the midway point, he'll start messing with you. You know why? Because in the middle is the space of I can look back where I came from and I'm still close enough that if I stop fighting against this wind, I can allow it to push me back to shore. Yeah, no, I'm just going to chill. It ain't for me. It ain't for me. So I'm going to go back to where I begin. Or am I going to muster up everything in me and row against the tide? Am I going to press and trust that the word of the Lord has been that if I get in this boat, that he's going to meet me there? Look at him and say, it's never about the middle. It's never about the middle. Now, I want to point this out. They are on the Sea of Galilee. Who all has been to the Sea of Galilee in the natural? Looking at it and being on it, you cannot comprehend what it would look like to be this kind of storm on the Sea of Galilee. It's not real wide, but I want you to hear me. It is one of the lowest points on the earth. The Sea of Galilee is about 686 feet below sea level. So it is real low and there are mountains that surround it that are real high. So we've got the cold air of the mountain space, the heat of the water and the valley, and in between we're caught in a whirlwind. It's a dangerous place to be in the middle, but yet it is the middle that causes you the fortitude and the qualification to reach the destiny. It's never about 
the middle. Our actions in the middle, they determine whether we can go all the way. I love this. The holiest path is not always the smoothest sailing. Have you ever felt like the Lord has called you into something and then all of a sudden you're like, I feel like I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Like, whoa, God, I got in the boat. These disciples were in smack dab, the center of the will of God. And here they are being tossed to and fro. Do you know that sometimes God will lead you into storms by divine appointment? Now, we don't like these words, do we? Let us be reminded of the gospel of Luke. We can go back to the gospel of Luke in the third chapter as Jesus comes down to be baptized by John, right? As he comes down to be baptized by John, we hear uh, something that happens. Jesus prayed and the heaven was open and Jesus was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove and we hear an audible voice that says these words. This is my son in whom I am. We leave this moment of affirmation, the call, the uh, moment in time where the voice of thunder begins to speak and identifies the son of God. That was fun. Luke chapter four starts out. Then Jesus being filled with the spirit, who's filled with the spirit in this room, returned from the Jordan. Listen, this is fun. And was led by that same spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. What? The same spirit that just descended and set and rested upon him. And it didn't just rest, it remained. That same affirming spirit has now led Jesus into a wilderness. And not just to be alone, but now be tempted. Being tempted by the devil. I want to point this out because this is phenomenal to me. Being tempted for 40 days. In those days, he ate nothing. And afterwards, say afterward, when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, let me tell you something. The enemy hears very loud and very clear what God says about you. He hears it probably more than you do. And it makes him his, his assignment and his mission in contrary to, to come against you, to war and fight against the very voice of God and his commission over your life. It's as if you are, in fact, the son of God. Command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, and we love this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Everybody say it is written. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory for this has been delivered to me. He wasn't lying. He's telling a partial truth there. It was given to him just not by God's authority, but by Adam. It was his 
and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. What for it is? You shall not worship. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Now listen. Then he brought him up to Jerusalem, set him on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, there's that accusation again. If you were really called of God, you wouldn't face hell. If God was really going to bless your seed, you would feel it the second it released. Your car wouldn't have broke down. If you really were a Christian, you wouldn't have those thoughts. His accusation has not changed from Genesis to the life of Jesus and all the way to you today. His accusation is always about if God really said that about you, if you really are. And then it causes us to attempt to prove that God is with us. I have a motto and Becca's reminded me of it a lot lately because the Lord has opened big doors, which was prophecy, right? And then going through these big doors, I want to vomit. And she said, let me remind you of your words, nothing to prove and nothing to lose. The moment that we, the church, feel the need to begin to prove that I'm anointed by God, you just lost the anointing. The moment that we try to prove, look how rich I am, you're not that rich. The moment that I feel the need to say, look what I've done, instead of saying, look what the Lord has done, I've just disqualified my qualification you do not have to prove that Emmanuel God is with us when he's with you you don't have to say it the enemy's number one goal is to make you step out and prove and it causes us to fall into performance it's true If I do a good enough dance and if I sing you the right song, we're going to have a shouting time. And here I am trying to prove that God's with this church. I got to tell you this morning, I got nothing to prove. (laughs) And when I have nothing to prove, I have nothing to lose. Jesus shows up on the scene in the wilderness. He wanted willfully to go through the wilderness because the scripture says that he was tempted in every way that you will be tempted. I believe that God said you're going to have to go through wilderness spaces. You're going to have to go through accusation. You're going to have to go through the frustration of wondering and questioning. Are you really the son of God? Are you? Are you the one or should we keep looking? You're going to go through all of that because my people in the future are going to hear the same things. And I want them to know that you made it. You came out of it. You handled these situations for them. And all they have to do is agree with you. It's that simple. So this accusation, if you really are the son of God, are y'all bored today? Just checking. Throw yourself down from the highest point of the pinnacle. Now, I got to tell you, I've read this scripture a hundred times over and it did not click with me until this weekend. As Jesus twice said, it is written, it is written. All right, Satan just now threw another accusation at him. 
and said, if you really are the son of God, and he's caught on to the lingo of Jesus. Catch this. And he says, if you really are, go ahead and throw yourself off of here. For it is written, he shall keep his angels charge over you and will not even allow your foot to dash against the stone. See, Satan, he knows your lingo. That's why you got to be careful when you begin to snuggle up to somebody who you be like, yeah, you talk in my language. What language are they listening to and becoming a copycat in? I'm telling you, the enemy himself said, oh, we're going to play the game of it is written. I know what's written. I know what the word says. I know that if you, if you oh, we're going to play it is written, then throw yourself off of here and he'll cause his angels to keep you and he He'll make sure he'll catch you in flight and will set you right down. This is why religion is such a struggle in the day and hour we're living in. Right here. You ready? Because if we're not careful, we hear it is written and be like, oh, well, maybe God sent an angel to bless me. Jesus very quickly shifted in the face of Satan. You're not going to pull me in your religious cycle. You think you're going to be cute? You're going to learn my language? Oh, it is written, it is written, written. He said, get behind me, Satan. It has been said. Now, I came to preach to a church who don't just understand what the written word says, but you understand that the word became flesh and it dwelt among me. He failed to understand and recognize I am the word. I am the one. How dare you bring an accusation against my father? It has been said. He said, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not believe. What did he say? What did he say? What was the command of God? See, even the Pharisees knew the written word. Inside and out. Now, we must read the word. We must know the word. But there's a difference in reading it out of a book and allowing the word of God to read you. <laughs> what did he say? He said, I ain't speaking anything on my own account. What you hear me say is what he says. You see, in the beginning, God said, did God really say, I believe this was the moment in time as he stood face to face with Satan. Oh, you think you own dominion. Let me remind you, it has been said that you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And it says when he opened his mouth and Creed what God said that Satan had to back off the temptation. What has God said? Woo! What did he say? He left in that moment because Satan knew, uh-oh. That was his first accusation. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of that fruit? Did God say that? 
So for the beginning of time, it was said, it was said, it was said. Moses comes along and it is written, it is written, it is written. Because God said they're not hearing it. Now I'm going to cause them to see it. And maybe if they see it, if I put it before them and they put it on their foreheads, if they write it on the tablet of their heart, maybe they'll keep it. But then Jesus shows up on the sea. The word. Flesh. Emmanuel, the inscribed word of God. Living and breathing and not just reading the room. But he's speaking and declaring and owning and taking back territory the devil thinks he has over you. It is written and it has been said. He's quoting it has been said. Do not tempt the Lord thy God out of Deuteronomy 6.16 as Moses is saying and instructing to the children of Israel. He says we're not going back to Massa which you would find that story and write this down in Exodus 17. You would find that story in going like this. In Massa was the place that they had just came through the Red Sea. Remember God rains manna down from heaven. Everything they needed he provided but they were thirsty. They were so thirsty and all of a sudden and I I came to just say this today. I understand Understand why you raise up when you're afflicted, when you're hurting, and when you're in pain. Those people who are in pain, they're mean. They start breeding and breathing accusations against you that they don't even mean. They're just hurting. And we as a church have to begin to recognize this and shift the tide of the pain. Be like, okay, I recognize you're hurting today. How can I pray for you? How can I turn this? Because I know the one who is here. He's with me. Emmanuel is with me. I don't have the power, but he does. And if you're in pain today, he's here to take it. So the people were thirsty and in their thirst, their unquenchable thirst, they begin to hurl accusations at Moses in Exodus 17. And they said things like, did you really bring us out here to just die of thirst? Is God really with us? That was their accusation. And it was in that moment That God said, go strike the rock. But God was frustrated. He said, my God, I have destroyed all the firstborn of Egypt. I protected their children. I brought them through the Red Sea. They came out on victory on the other side. Do they not see what I have done up until this point? And will they still question if I'm here? See, God brought them through a wilderness place to test them. Oh boy, they were tested. They were in the middle. They had came out, but they hadn't reached the other side. And their choices in the middle cost them everything. They tested God when he had put them in the test. They turned it around and tested him. That's why Malachi, this is the only place you can test me. Try me in this. Try me. Try me in your giving and see that I will not. But any other place, don't you tempt me. Don't you tempt me. 
If I put you in the test today, it's because there is a greater destiny on the other side of this. And how you treat me and those that I love in the middle. I've only got to point one. What did God say? He said, get in the boat and I'll meet you on the other side. You want to know why God puts us and tempts us in tempest storms? Because a storm will teach you what smooth sailing never can. Who in this room would say, I've been through some hellish storms and I came out a little smarter. I I came out knowing some things that I didn't know when I went in it. I I knew where my weaknesses were and I knew where my strength was. Come on, somebody. You came out of it being stronger. That storm did not have its desired end over you. It was there, yes, but God allowed it to work in your favor today. It, it taught you some things that just gliding in life, getting a, pers- a participation ribbon. Hmm. I'm saved. I'm ready to preach. All right, go mop the floor. Wait. That's what Kevin Wallace said. He said he felt the call of God at youth camp, I believe is what he said. It was a youth service. And he went and told his pastor, he's like, man, God has called me. And he said, that's awesome. Meet me in my office next week. Pastor Kevin walks in in his suit as a young man. He said, and when I walked in the pastor's office, there was a mop bucket and a mop with a note. They said, go clean all the bathrooms. I see that choice right there is why redemption to the nations is what it is today. Because he could have said, you know what? I ain't mopping no floors. I'm better than this. I I, I make more money. I'm smarter than the pastor. What do I what do I gotta go mop the floors for? Because you're being tested. Are you gonna complain about a mop bucket and a mop? Because I promise you, days of pastoring, this is what it is. Put a broom in my hand. I'd rather have a broom in my hand on some days. I enjoy cleaning toilets. Being tempted and tested in the middle is the qualification of moving to the greater in your life. I came to help the church today. Am I helping anybody? God will provide. Some of us need a good resistance training to build up strength for future battles. You hear me today? When you go into the gym, I don't do it very often. My husband's trying, y'all. He's trying. He's looking cute. And I go because he's cute. And that's about it. And, and I don't even like to sweat. I'll preach and sweat. But I like my trainer, so I'll go. And as we're working out, I'm like, okay. Whew. He'll say, come on, you got to put a little more weight on it. You got to put a little more You got you to gotta resist it, Amanda. Resist it because you're building strength to endure. Come on, baby, you can do this. So I go. And sometimes I want to throw my water bottle. But then I remember I'm a pastor. Everybody just say, I need some resistance training. 
need some resistance training. And in that resistance, you're building up muscle that you didn't even know you had. And in the resistance training, you leave the gym and you're like, oh, wow, that hurts in places I didn't know it could hurt. Because you're building up things that you're going to need to run the race. You're building up places inside of you. God says, I'm calling you to walk. I'm calling you to get in boats and go to other sides. And I need you to have strength to endure the contrary along the way you're building up some strength another thing that a contrary wind should always do calls you to recall what God said what did he say in Timothy 1 and 18 Paul tells him recall the prophecies concerning you Timothy that you may wage a good warfare. There are days when the battle lines are drawn and I hear the roar of the false lion. He's coming and he's roaring against my children. He's roaring against my household. He roars against the finances. He roars against your house and I have a choice to make. Do I give in to the roar? Do I shake like a monkey in the tree and fall right in his mouth? Or do I stand bold, hit the recall button and declare if God be for me who could be against me if God is with us if God longs us out he's going to meet me on the other side you see there's a reason he says I am the alpha and the omega who are you in the middle he says oh you're going to meet hell there (laughs) you hear me see churchy people don't like this Oh, he is all things in between. But in that middle, you will meet hell. I remember when I was pregnant with Eva and the Holy Ghost told me, you will name her that because her name will mean life. And there will be days the enemy will come to challenge what you've called her, what you have spoken. And in those moments, you will have countered what the enemy is hurling your way. I got up from that prayer closet. I shouted all the way through my house, called my husband and said, woohoo, we're having a girl. I didn't even know we were having a girl yet. And I said, we're going to name her Eva. Her name means life. And I forgot the other part until hell showed up and standing in the middle of trauma I had a choice (laughs) do I recall the word of the Lord or do I look at hell in my situation a two-year-old falling 15 feet, her head laid open and blood dripping from her head onto a trauma unit floor. Blood pouring out of her mouth because she separated her lip from her jawbone. I'm going to tell you something. When God gives you a word, when he says launch out, when he says do this, when he says name that, you just need to know that when you are met with the contrary in the middle, it does not change the mind of God. He's saying, I just want to know that your mind is made up. I just want to know that you can endure all the way to the other side because the word of the Lord was already spoken that she would break the chains of the enemy when she opened her mouth. I stood flat-footed in the face of every doctor and I said in the name of Jesus I respect you but I got a word. I'm standing on the word today. It don't look like my word. This looks contrary but the word said he would meet me if I just trust him all along the way 
Can you recall the word in the middle? Can you recall it? Can you recall it? Standing in a 104 degrees trauma unit. You see, the word of the Lord had already gone before us. And I'd been on a fast for nine days. I just was obedient. <laughs> Your obedience is never about what you think it is. I had no idea what I thought it was. But you can imagine, has anybody ever stood in a trauma unit naturally? It's hot. It's hot as hell. For a reason, number one, they don't want to send their patients into shock. Number two, I believe as believers, it's standing there over a lifeless baby. Maybe this morning over your lifeless marriage. Maybe over the lonely space in your life. Standing and going, wait, I thought this was the point of promise. I'm only doing what you said for me to do, God. Why have you forsaken me? Because it's never about the middle. We make it right here. And we build up a house in Massa, just like the children of Israel, they built a house in the middle. They remained in the middle because they couldn't see any way out past this. As pastors declaring it's building season, it is, but you better know on what point you're building. You put your hammer and nails up when you're in the middle. We often preach this as Peter jumped out, well, wait a minute. Jesus comes down off the mountain. Lord, I'm still in the middle place. I got to move on. R.J. Matthews is going to tear this place up tonight. I want you back. He comes down and his own disciples didn't recognize him. You want to know why? Because they were fearful and afraid. When the spirit of flesh comes in, it's hard to recognize the Holy Spirit. That's why even in church, because you're so bound by fear and compromise, you wouldn't know, well, that ain't God. Why? How, why, how do you know that? What lens are you looking through today? It's impossible for fear to recognize faith. And he said, be of good cheer. It's me. It's me, y'all. It's me. But here's the point I want to make. I want to talk to some people who don't see him. Yes, the fear and the wind and the wave, it's crashing upon your face and it's in your boat and you have a choice. But in that moment of doubt, it's coming, it's crippling you. I want to say this today, even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. He'll never stop, he'll never stop working. Somebody's got to hear this today because we always want to see Jesus and I have to tell you I do I want to know that he's with me but what is more important when you're walking through hell and you don't see him is that you know his eyes are upon you that he never slumbers and he never sleeps that if his eyes are upon the sparrow how much more is he watching over you today it's not always so important that you see him 
See, we Pentecostals, we make it, oh, I, oh, I want to see him. I do. But when I don't, <laughs> he sees me, Justin. He sees you, son, in the middle, in the frustration, in the wounded, in the hurt, in the abandonment. He sees you in the delay. He sees you. And we always say, God, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me here? Do you see me? Just lift up your hands for just a moment. Ooh, and just say simply, God, thank you for locating me <laughs> right in my hell. Right in my delay, right in the middle of my frustration. Thank you because he has a GPS system that you can't even imagine. He has binged your location and all the way from the Father in the mountain place. He is making his transition toward you. Why? Because he sees you and he gave you a word of promise. And he's, he's saying, I've come to meet you right there in the middle. I've come to meet you right here. I've located you. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He'll never stop. He'll never stop working. Woo! Just declare that over your life. Say, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it. And we always preach right here that when they recognize him, and Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, sure. Come on. Right? But the scripture says that it was the moment that Jesus stepped into the boat <laughs> that the wind stopped. The commission wasn't get out of the boat and look cute walking on the water. And I want to say this. You need to understand that Jesus didn't walk on the water to prove who he was. It was to prove to you all these years later that whatever has the potential to drown you, whatever has the potential to be over your head, it's already under his feet. He came walking on water not to prove anything except to you to say, I've got this. Do you trust me that if it's over you, it's under me today? He got in the boat. And it says the wind ceased. Have you invited Jesus into your mess? Have you asked him, Jesus, this wind is about more than I can handle. 
I need you to step in the middle of this situation. I need you to step into my boat today. Just lift up your hands for just a moment and say, Jesus, step in my chaos. Step in this turbulent time with me. Step in this middle place. I thank you that I know that when you step in it, the wind must obey you. It has no choice, but maybe, just maybe, the wind has yet to cease because you've not asked him, get in my boat. When the wind ceased, they said, wow, you actually are the son of God. Right? And it says they crossed over, say, the other side. Because the battle's never about the middle. Say that with me. The battle is never about the in-between. We always make it the in-between. It's not. It's not. It's always about what is yet to come. And what was on the other side was that when they heard and they saw that Jesus and his disciples were in the land of Gennesaret, that they heard and they said, here's the truth. If we could just touch the hem of his garment, we know that we would be made whole. And it says that they began to bring everybody who was sick and oppressed and lame. You need to understand that the enemy knows what's on the other side he knows that there is a key of deliverance for healing there's a key of resources and harvest there's a key of your family being restored and if you ever get out of this middle spot and go all the way over freedom's coming to the other side freedom's coming to the other side and the scripture says that everyone that touched Jesus it says they were made well stand to your feet today stand to your feet today i want to ask you as we're going to pray and we're going to declare where are you located in this story where are you located maybe you're at shore and you're like the disciples and you saw listen right before they got into the boat there were 5,000 plus fed in a miracle moment maybe you're just in the house witnessing miracles all around and you have yet to hear the word get in get all the way in get in the boat get in the boat because I'm about to take you on a journey and if that's where you're located and you're standing on the shore you're in the midst of it but you want to get all the way in you want to hear the commission of the Lord and get all the way in the boat and be with Jesus come hell or high water I want to be in it I want to be in the beginning with him I want to be in the middle with him and I want to go all the way to the other side with him if that's you and say I want to hear the commission today lift up your hands and say I want to hear the commission I want to get all the way in I don't want to miss what he's doing I don't want to miss what he's saying I want to be there I want to be a witness I want to be a, a, a one of the disciples that are being disciplined all the way with him we hope you enjoyed this word if you would like to hear more messages like this one please take a second and click the subscribe button And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.